This podcast is free and it's accessible to everyone thanks to support from listeners like you. If you value this show, please consider supporting its production by donating to our home, KUOW. It only takes a minute to give and you'll be helping to support the production of this podcast. Make a donation at KUOW.org or follow the link in the show notes. And thanks. Hey, I'm Brandi Fullwood. This is the Neighbor Series, a collaboration between Soundside and KUOW Shorts. Today we're headed to South Seattle to talk with someone who loves his work, even through some intense burnout. Pastor Peter Chin is the lead pastor at Rainier Avenue Church in Seattle's Rainier Valley. And he thinks about work at the church as his calling, something he was meant to spend his life doing. But finding his calling didn't protect Pastor Chin from burning out during the pandemic. And he wasn't alone. Clergy member across the U.S. resigned or considered resigning in record numbers during the pandemic, in part because if you're a member of the clergy, you're always on call for your congregation. This past spring, Pastor Chin told me how his relationship with his work has changed and how he's seen the great resignation show up among even his fellow pastors. When I think about my hopes of how people will see me and see how I grieve, part of it is understanding the story of pastors and what pastoring is like. Uh, My name is Pastor Peter Chin, and I am the lead pastor of Rainier Avenue Church, which is located in the Rainier Valley of Seattle. In some ways, church is a really ideal community to process these kind of things in a larger group setting outside of counseling and friendships and things like that. Our church is pretty diverse. I think we reflect the Rainier Valley pretty well in terms of our ethnic background. We've got white people, we've got a lot of Asian Americans of all stripes, we've got refugees, African Americans, Africans. So it's a really diverse community. Diversity allows us to see different angles of God that we would miss otherwise. And so that's been a big part of who we are, the church. And we've tried to we've tried to integrate that even into our physical space. So on that back wall, we created an art piece of our sanctuary that has the design of it is actually based off South Seattle. And so we have different markers for, you know, for MLK Boulevard and for for Othello, just to kind of remind us of that God's place is here, that we're here because we feel like this place is important for us, part of our calling. And every Sunday, we we do our scripture reading in multiple languages. And it's always amazing to see the languages that are spoken in our congregation. We have, we'll do it in Amharic, we'll do it in Hindi, we'll do it in Spanish, we'll do it in uh, uh, Lao. So it's just amazing to kind of hear the diversity of of people that we have in our church that reflects, I think, our community as well. So it's really beautiful. We do have a weekly space to talk about issues and to talk about issues that are, are fairly difficult to address. And so we have sermons and we have small groups and we have book studies that kind of allow us the space to talk about these things. Chronologically, we just went through a season of Lent. And Lent really is about grief. Even when you look at this very small slice of the biblical story, which is the period between Passion Sunday and Good Friday, it's just filled with grief. When Jesus enters into Jerusalem, he grieves. Um, there's a woman who pours out 
a perfume on his feet, and he says, this is because I'm going to be buried. And, you know, even the communion is because his body and his blood is going to be broken and poured out. We think that as people of faith, we need to be happy all the time. We need to always look on the bright side of things, and that kind of is a demonstration of our faith. And yet the reality in in Scripture and in faith is that we are given that language to do that. We're given examples of Jesus himself asking for a cup of suffering to be taken away from him. When we see examples of that happening, whether it's in people around us or for Christians in Scripture, it it dawns on us that it's okay to do this, that, that God himself has given us permission and examples, even wording, to grieve. A million people have, have died in the United States from COVID, so there's grief all around us. But also, I think there's other levels of grief that we are all processing as well. It's a, it's a pretty universal emotion that we're feeling, whether it's young people in what they've lost or in older people as well. If, if the fact is that all of us are grieving, then all of us need to have this, this grief logic, this grief paradigm. Right? When we approach people, it, there's a softness that we need to have. There's an understanding that they're going through something that we, it's deep and it's painful and we don't fully understand, but we need to kind of just be there with them instead. It's been helpful for us to recognize, oh, we instinctively know how to help people when they're grieving. Now we just need to recognize everyone's grieving. Mm-hmm. And what does that look like for you? Like, how do you hope that people show up for you when you're grieving? Hmm. I, I think that that begins with, an understanding of a person's story. I mean, for anyone, right? When you're trying to understand why this person's grieving so so much, it's not logical, it's narrative-based. It's knowing that story of who that person was and, and what they've lost as a result of it and what their life looks like because of that loss. Mm-hmm. When I think about my hopes of how people will see me and see how I grieve, part of it is understanding the story of pastors and what pastoring is like. It's, you know, you're stewarding a community, you're teaching an ancient, from an ancient book, you're doing kind of pastoral counseling, you are managing a staff, uh, you are helping the poor, you're doing all these things in one place. And it's a very broad skill set. And so it's always been very difficult to hold all of these demands in tension. It, it's, never, it's never easy to be the leader, a, a spiritual leader for people and to be kind of a spiritual presence for people. And the pandemic made that almost impossible. 38% of all pastors are seriously considering not just stepping down from their current role, but permanently walking away from ministry. And that is, that is a really dramatic uh, statistic to think about, that nearly half of every pastor or clergy person you meet is thinking, I don't want to do this anymore. I have so many questions here that yeah. I'd like to ask. So I'm curious if there's a place where we could yeah. sit and I could yeah. talk uh, to you about. Let's do, you want to do my office? That's probably the sure. quietest place, yeah. This place won't be quiet for much longer, so <laughs> I don't think you want to be here. Yeah, my office is over here. Do you want any water or coffee or anything? We've got a curry machine. Oh, I'm okay right now. Okay. Um, Thanks for checking. All the pastoral things. Growing up, I would hear people give these testimonies about how their pastor was there for them on a, on a Saturday or on a Wednesday or just while I was at work and I just called the pastor and he was there for me. And I just kept thinking, I was like, that person was definitely sleeping. Like, How do you do that? How do you find the energy and the time to, to be there for, for so many people who, who need you? Well, I, I would say that is an evolving kind of reality and phenomenon for both myself and I think culturally speaking at large. I think historically that has always been 
it, it, that has always been the expectation of pastors. Wherever, whenever there is need, you are there, whether it's a funeral or you know, a, a relationship falling apart, morning, night. And I think that is often the expectation and the reality that I experience is that you can't predict when these moments happen and they don't happen nine to five. And so there is oftentimes where it does intrude upon different aspects of your life. And I think that's part of the reality. And, and the reality of that is that it's very difficult. It's difficult, especially if you are trying to, you have other spheres of your life that you're trying to maintain balance with in terms of your family or your own personal welfare and things like that. And so once we hear that someone has passed away, once we hear that there is an issue that's divisive or dangerous to people, we can't help but switch on a gear and engage with it. And so we can't really rest whenever we hear about these things because we want to be present for people in those moments. That's what we're, we felt called to do. I really wanted to, to ask you about the sabbatical you took. Yeah. Where were you at in that moment when you were like, I need to take a break? Yeah. The break technically happened because of a schedule. So it was after seven years. So it was kind of scheduled out to take place no matter what. That being said, I think there was a deeply personal reason why I had to take it. And that was because after the pandemic, I really felt like I was at my at my rope's end in terms of ministry. You know, like I've kind of already shared, it's already a very broad calling with a lot of different demands. I don't necessarily feel like my personality is the best fitted for it. I am very introverted and um, I have to be out in front of people every single week, engaging with a lot of people. That 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 can be really exhausting. It's something that I enjoy and I, I value, but at the same time, it's just really tiring. I, I, I turned to some friends and, you know, ask for for them to kind of keep me in prayer. I don't think they, they really understood how, you know, how I was feeling about things. And I think that goes back to another thing that I was sharing about, that not everyone understands the full story of pastors. And I think they understand just part of it. And so their interpretation of your grief is really only partially informed. So they really can't embrace it. They think, well... Your, your life's not that hard. You just work once a week. Um, and that was kind of the space I was in. I, I went into the sabbatical not only because it was scheduled for me, because I absolutely needed to step away from things to think about them more clearly. Well, good morning, everyone. I'm glad to be back with you. You know, even as we were sharing, I was trying to think, like, what what did I just tell people to do? Like, what do I was looking do? at a couple yeah. of services that you did, uh, I think, when you first came back from your yeah. sabbatical. There was a time when I had no hair. I had shaved my head for a very long time. And I couldn't help but hear you say how weird it is to be asked to be seen as a person. And then people for many months commented like, oh, your hair is getting longer. Oh, you're doing that with your hair and all this different stuff. And strange as it might seem, it was just nice not to see, like have people notice my hair, but just to be like, I don't know, seen as a person and not necessarily just like a preacher. It's like, oh, that's what you're wearing. And I know that sounds really weird, but... Uh, Why is it weird to ask your congregation to see you as a person? What were you thinking about? I think I'm thinking about that paradigm of pastors that I think is very stubbornly held by many of us, including myself, of not simply being a person, of being a calling, of being something that came from God, that you are this because God wanted you to be this. And so this very sense of uh, a divine calling to a, a certain, it's not just its not just a job, it's a vocation and a calling from God. And in, in, in that light, when either I have that expectation or that, that perception or someone else does, being human 
is a very difficult thing to do at the same time. When people perceive you as, oh, you're going to teach scripture or you're going to guide our community, you're going to say the right thing uh, in in light of of, of injustices and, and racial violence and all these different things happening. To be that person, but then also to be a human being that has flaws or difficulties or whatever the case might be, it's a very difficult balance to hold. And that I think is what I was expressing in that moment is to to actually call attention to that, to say that personally, sometimes I have a hard time seeing myself as a human being because of expectations, but some of you might also feel that way. And so I actually need to say this, as strange as it might be, I think a lot of us have this internalized sense of clergy people and pastors kind of being these divinely called people and so are superhuman in that way. And so we actually need to be able to say no. They have a very specific calling. It's a very important one, but they are human beings at the same time. And so I think it's actually important that people say that and kind of hear that. And if they have a problem with that, kind of like what you just said, like to ask, why why do we have a problem with a human being being a human being? Why is it that certain people are not kind of afforded that, 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 that universal right of just uh, going through what everyone else goes through ultimately? And maybe that being a, a point of learning to ask if a person does have a problem with that disclaimer and saying like, my pastor shouldn't say that kind of like why 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 would why is that not something that should be said ultimately the reality is that i think that the pandemic for all of us whether as a church or as individuals has brought some really crucial questions and issues to light and there is actually a danger in just going back to the way things were if that prevents us from really dealing with those issues and asking those questions not just the church but the individuals as well and so that's a really difficult thing for, for me as a pastor, I think for communities in general, is that how do we retain a sense of normalcy that I think we all need as human beings, a structure and places that we can go that, that, that do feel stable, but at the same time, not overstep or sidestep some really important conversations that we need to have, that we're having these hard conversations about pastors not being able to do it all and that they're human beings and that kind of sitting with us in weird ways. Why does that sit with us in weird ways? These are big conversations. And if we, but if we just switch gears and say, forget it, let's just move on. We need to have four services now because look at all these people. It's great. What about that conversation? That's really important to me. And it's really important to the longevity of a pastor, but also the health of a church. Mm -hmm. So how do we make sure that we're not allowing our return to normalcy bypass some very crucial conversations that we need to be having? And again, this is not just on the church level. I think it includes families, includes us as a society as a whole is having a sense of discipline about going back to the way things were in a way that still allows us to grow from the things that we've learned and not having those two things, one take away from the other. What do you feel like when you, you wake up to go to work in the morning mm -hmm. right now compared to before you, you went on sabbatical? Yeah, it really depends on the day. And I would imagine for any person, any working environment, it really depends on the day. Um, there, there have been some good days and there have been a number of bad days as well. And so it's felt all over in terms of how I emotionally feel about, about going to work. What I wasn't getting or what I didn't see out there was guidance that allowed me to discern well. It was very leading and it felt like you should do things and not how you should be conducting yourself and how you should approach day-to-day -day life, right? That's what I felt was lacking. That's where I found a very powerful principle within scripture, which is this it's a word in Hebrew called chesed, which means translated as loving kindness oftentimes, but it, another way of saying it's faithful love, faithful love. 
What I've loved about that, what I've appreciated about that approach is that it doesn't tell me what to do. It doesn't say quit, stay, you know, suffer through it, leave loud. It doesn't say any of that kind of stuff. It just says day to day, here is a way that you can engage your life. You know, remember that you're loved and allow that to empower your love of other people. And that every morning has given me this sense of centering and a sense of peace to say, I don't know what this day is going to be like. And I may not be feeling it, but no matter what, God loves me right now. And that gives me just a little more, a little more wherewithal to do that for someone else instead. The only thing that we really have control over is how we conduct ourselves and how, what, what version of ourselves we bring to these kind of moments. And I think we, we expend so much energy on trying to control the what's when we have so little control over it. And I think sometimes it's, it's better for us to say, I have no control over these things, but I do have control over how I, how I bring myself to these places. And that's no small thing. That restores relationships. It allows me, if I leave, to leave well. If I stay, to stay well, right? It, it translates to every situation um, into the situations that we can't control. And that, I think, is powerful when we, we feel like we have so little control, ultimately. I want to say that I think I'm beyond where I was even a year ago. I don't think everyone has to be. I don't think that's the right thing to do for everyone, but I think that's kind of where I've landed, that it reminded me that I'm loved no matter what I've done. It also reminds me I'm loved no matter what choice that I make. And that is, it's a floor. So you're not just crashing through floor after floor into a sub-basement or sub-basement, but it allows you to floor to say, this will always be true. What would you say to others who are experiencing the kind of burnout and withdrawal that you are going through now that you're in this this moment of of clarity hmm give me a moment to chew on that because i want to make sure i say something that's really helpful and doesn't just you know gotta say the right thing <laughs> well, i mean i'd hate for someone like i don't want to say leave loud and someone you know leaves a place where they're they're really supposed to be and vice versa if there's someone's really toxic i don't want to be like yeah just stay there you know um what would i say to a person who's in that moment you have to find an anchor point and you have to say, no matter what happens, this is true in, in every situation. I think on top of that, we need a way then from that anchor point to engage in the realities around us. No, we don't have control over them and we will not have control over them in the future as well. I mean, let's just be honest with ourselves, pandemic or not, the honest truth is we don't have control over many of our situations when it comes down to it. Even on an hourly basis, we don't have those things. We need a way to be able to to engage with those engage with those realities that comes out of that foundation it comes out of those core principles of 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 who we are ultimately and so i think that's what i would really advise people is don't get overly consumed with the choices that are you going to make and the circumstances that are around you those are really important ultimately but what's maybe even more important that has to happen on a parallel way is understanding who you are understanding what is your foundation and, and living out of that foundation in a very authentic way. And then no matter what your circumstances are, you can be true to those things. You can have a floor beneath your feet. You're conducting your way yourself in a way that feels authentic to who you are. And the circumstances come and you have no control over them. But at the end of the day, you can say, I, I, I was grounded. I lived the way that I wanted to live. And I conducted myself amongst people in a way that I feel proud of. And that's no small thing. And you may leave, but you can leave in a good way. You may stay, but you stay in a good way. And I think that's a priceless, that's a priceless gift to give yourself, which is a clear conscience, you know, to be able to say, I left well, I stayed well, I was loving and respectful to people, and I loved myself at the same time. And maybe that's all that we can say at the end of the day. 
is that I did those things well. And the dice flew all over the place and, you know, things were crazy. But at the very least, I was grounded in those few ways. And to be, to be able to say we, we did that and to say that with pride, I think, is a really priceless gift we can give ourselves. That was Pastor Peter Chin, the lead pastor at Rainier Avenue Church in South Seattle. Next up on Neighbors, we'll head to Bainbridge Island and meet a woman who started building the queer community groups she needed when she first came out. The Neighbors series was originally produced by the team that makes Soundside. That's on air Monday through Thursdays on KOW at noon and 8 p.m. or wherever you get your podcasts. Today's story was produced by me, Brandy Fullwood. Soundside and KUOW Shorts are both productions of KUOW Puget Sound Public Radio. We're a proud member of the NPR Network. Subscribe to the KUOW Shorts feed for more short-run, locally produced audio series. This series was produced for KUOW Shorts by me and Jeannie Andel, with help from Hans Twite, Amelia Peacock, and Michaela Giannotti-Boyle. Brendan Sweeney is our Director of New Content and Innovation, you can listen to more neighbor stories by subscribing to KOW Shorts wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Brandy Fullwood. Thanks for listening.